His priesthood is perfect and we may come boldly to the throne of grace by virtue of our great high priest. Tonight, we're going to go quickly look at a lot of passages of Scripture and consider the past regarding the priesthood, the day of atonement when the priest appeared before the people, then the present when the priest enters into the Holy of Holies unseen, bearing the names of those for whom he made offering, ministering in the presence of God on their behalf. And then the future, when he comes out of the secret place to assure people that the sacrifice had been accepted by God and that future blessing would be theirs. Now that's what happened on the Day of Atonement. Here's the priest. Everyone can see him. There he goes into the presence of God. Will the offering be accepted? And then here he comes appearing once again to say the sacrifice has been accepted. That's what Jesus Christ has done, is doing, will do for each and every one of us. That day of atonement, a snapshot, a small quick picture of the, of the big picture, Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews chapter 9 the Bible says in verse number 24, Hebrews 9, 24, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So in verse 24, he appears and enters in. Verse 25, he is is in the position of having entered into the holy place. And then verse 26, he will appear having put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Of himself. Keep your place there in Hebrews 9. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Remember, as we saw this morning, that that high priest was chosen by God to offer sacrifice. And the problem was that high priest, because of sin, was subject unto death. And the people who brought the sacrifices had had in some, to some measure, defiled their sacrifices just by coming in contact with them. Sin uh, in and on everything. But the Bible says in Numbers 16 and verse 39, And Eleazar the priest took the brazen censers wherewith they were burnt, uh, they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel, that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not as Korah and his company, as the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses. But on the morrow all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord, and so on and so forth. Now, this is the, this is the follow-up to the event where Korah led a rebellion, and, and said, why, anybody can offer sacrifice, why just you? Anybody can perform this sacred duty, why just the sons of Aaron? And the Lord, the Lord opened the earth and swallowed them up 
and the earth closed upon them, and they were not seen or heard from ever again. Now, that, that event has been used thousands of times by preachers to warn anybody in the congregation that rises up against the pastor that the earth is going to open up and swallow you whole, but it's never happened a second time. That's, that's only happened once in the history of the world. And if you'd read the passage in its context, you certainly wouldn't put yourself as a pastor as the, as the antitype for the type in Numbers chapter number 16. What happened is, God ordained that one high priest could bring sacrifice into the presence of God and that the sacrifice would not be acceptable unless it was brought by the God-ordained high priest. Korah thought, well, anybody is, you know, there's many ways to God and there's many methods of approach to God and the Lord had to slam the door on that so there was never any question about it. I will only accept offering at the hand of the high priest that I ordained. You don't pick your own high priest. So, so that's why the judgment was so severe. It wasn't to protect Aaron. It was to protect the doctrine that there is but one high priest who can approach unto God. Now, that having been established, for what purpose? So that when we come to the great high priest in the New Testament, we would understand that you don't come to God by way of an Episcopalian priest or a Catholic priest or a voodoo priest or a witch doctor priest or a Baptist priest. There is no priest chosen by God to offer an acceptable sacrifice to God but His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And anyone else who tries to approach God by means of another priest or another mediator or another representative is going to find themselves in the very fires into which Korah and his company were thrust by Almighty God. It wasn't that they tried to take over a congregation of a local church and God had to destroy them. It was that they did not respect the office of the high priest ordained by God as the only one who could come with the atoning sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. And that's, that's often missed in our preaching on number 16. Now, come to Second Chronicles. Not Corinthians in the New Testament, but Chronicles in the Old. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Let me say to... Visitors putting their toe in the water here or people who are new to the church and just getting acclimated. Yes, we do have to mention other groups and we do have to name other religions because if you don't, people don't get it. When you, when you say to a congregation of people in this generation, you know everybody's sinned, they say, well, not me, because nobody's ever told them what sin is. So you have to name it. You have to spell it out or people don't get it. When you say, you know, the Lord wants us to be pure, and there are many, many people that are immoral, they think of somebody they know who does something so horrific that they would never do it. So you have to spell out purity from the Bible. 
You have to spell out what the Bible defines as being right and being clean and, and, and so forth. And so when you say, you know, there's only one way to heaven and that's Jesus Christ. There are thousands of people who left church this morning thinking they just ate Jesus. Or thinking that they just touched a, 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 an icon and, and somehow made contact. You have to spell it out. And if you don't, you leave people in the, in the darkness in which they came. And you say, well, well what, won't the Holy Spirit just show them? No. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If all it took was the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there'd be no scripture about witnessing. There'd be no scripture about teaching. There'd be no scripture about instructing or preaching the word. The Holy Spirit is not floating around in the world. He's inside the believer. And the only voice the Holy Spirit has is the voice of Christians who speak truth. So that's, anyway, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, Bible says in verse number uh, 16, but when he was strong, we're talking about King Uzziah here. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him, and Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. And dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Joth Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now look, this king, He's got every right to sit on the throne. This king, he's got every right to govern the nation. But even though he is the top dog among God's chosen people, he has no right whatsoever to take an incense into that holy place and stand there as though he were the God-ordained high priest. And when he did that, listen... The Lord didn't smite him with leprosy because the current priesthood was such a bunch of great guys and the Lord wasn't going to let anybody take over their, their little province. No, he is preserving for you the understanding that runs throughout all the Old Testament scriptures. There is only one high priest who is chosen of God to offer sacrifice in the presence of God on behalf of the people who need God. And if you violate that, it's a straight trip to hell or it's instant leprosy. Come on, there's a lot of sins. In, in 4,000 years of that Old Testament, that didn't happen very often. But when you intruded into the office of the high priest... The Lord took swift and deliberate action. Why? 
because he wants us to understand when we turn to the New Testament scriptures, if he has ordained this man, Jesus Christ, to be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, you don't set up a priest over this church and a priest over that church and a priest over this religion, a priest over here and a priest over there. There's only one. And it's sure and certain ruin if you make yourself a competitor priest with the one that God has ordained. Only one chosen to offer sacrifice. Now, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians the second chapter. And verse number 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now, what are we talking about here? We're not talking about our life. We're not even talking about our faith. We're certainly not talking about our works. We are examining this truth. There is no way any man could be declared just and righteous in the presence of God. For he is not holy. Therefore his sacrifice is not holy. The priest who offered sacrifice on his behalf was not holy. So all of those were types and shadows and stopgap methods that could never take away sin and never justify a man. But one day into the presence of God walked Jesus Christ. And he's got no bullock. And he's got no ram. And he's got no turtle doves. And he has no sheaf to wave. And he has no measures of oil whatsoever. He walks into the presence of God. And all that he has to offer is himself. It's the only thing he can offer that is not tainted by sin. It's the only thing he can offer that is not defiled. And so the Bible says, look at it again in Galatians 2.16... Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. See, here is a man. God became man. Here is a man who did always obey the law. He never sinned. He never came short of the glory of God. He never transgressed. And so, When Jesus Christ, having lived every moment of his life by perfect faith, 
offered himself in sacrifice for our sins in perfect faith, God accepted that sacrifice offered by that high priest. And so, what's the result? When I believe on him, God grants me justification on the basis of my sacrifice. What did I bring? I didn't bring a bull. I didn't bring a ram. I didn't bring a turtle dove. I didn't bring my good works. I didn't bring my sincerity. I said, Father, that's my sacrifice. Jesus Christ. That's my offering. Jesus Christ. And God the Father accepts me on the basis of the sacrifice I am claiming. You see, now, look, look what, here's the obvious follow-up. Verse 17. Well, what if after I've done that, I'm a sinner? What if I sin after I've trusted Christ? Verse 18. If I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. That's what I did. I sinned. It has nothing to do with being saved. It has nothing to do with staying saved. Look, he didn't say, well, then you lose it. No, he said, well, if you sin, that's what you are. You're a sinner. If you transgress, that's what you are. You're a transgressor. But that doesn't change, verse 20, the fact that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, verse 17 Am I found a sinner? Nevertheless. Do I build the things again which I destroyed? Nevertheless. Am I a transgressor? Nevertheless. I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Was there ever any doubt... When a Jewish man stood in line at the temple and turned his animal over to the priest. And the priest cut up the animal and burned it on the altar. And the ashes and the smoke and the sweet smelling savor ascended up to God. Was there ever any question when that man left that day he would sin again? None whatsoever. Was there? Do you think he made it a week? I don't think so. You think he made it? Three days. I don't think so. And yet, God only ordained a day of atonement once a year. What about the other 359 days in the Jewish calendar when everybody was sinning? Did you bring the sacrifice on the day of atonement? Did the high priest offer the sacrifice on the day of atonement? Okay, well, that's that's the best you can do under the circumstances. It didn't take away their sins. Now, the sacrifice of Jesus. Do you think for one minute, come on, that God expects that anyone who trusts His Son Jesus Christ as their Savior will never sin again? I'm not talking about what you're trying to do. I'm not talking about what your preacher's trying to get you to do. Do you think that God Almighty in heaven has any expectation whatsoever? That having trusted that sacrifice or brought that sacrifice, that from that day forward you're never going to sin again. Not a chance. 
Not a chance. Why is there all this in the New Testament about, about being reconciled and, 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 and repenting and, and, and forbearance and long-suffering? And Why would God need to be long-suffering toward the church? Why would He need to be merciful toward the church? Why would He need to cleanse us of spot and wrinkle and every such thing? Nevertheless, my sacrifice... And my great high priest continues to be the basis of my justification. It was not my works before I got saved. It is not my works after I get saved. It is the sacrifice that was offered and the priest who offered the sacrifice whereby I live. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. Hallelujah. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. So that's what he did. The right priest offered the right sacrifice. And God accepted it. Praise the Lord. Now, Hebrews 9. Look again. Verse number 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands which the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now, to appear... In the presence of God for us. Not, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth in the holy place every year with the blood of others. So he's not there to keep offering more sacrifices when I mess up. And he's not there so I can stand in, a, in, a, in an ornate robe in front of a group of people who haven't ever read their Bible... And hold up a piece of bread and say, fee fi fo fam e pluribus unum, and turn it into the body of Jesus Christ, and we can make him pay again for the sins you committed since the last time you ate him. Well, that's that's what the Mass is. Look it up in the literature of the Church of Rome. It is the perpetual sacrifice and the repeated crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now you got to do is read Hebrews 7.25 and know he died once. He's never going to die again. Imagine some pedophile crucifying Christ on a Sunday morning. Is that plain enough for you? I mean, anybody with good sense would have walked out of that outfit years ago. That doesn't sound very tolerant. Child molesting pedophiles telling you they control whether or not you get into heaven? What person with half a brain is still going to that church? I don't think you ought to talk that way. You talk that way about political people, I'll talk that way about religious people. 25 or 26 for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world look if Jesus going to if he has to pay every time you sin he's just, he's never getting off the cross but if he paid for all of it at one shot which he did then he's never suffering again but now okay so so what's he doing he is Verse 24, he is appearing in the presence of God for us. To do what? Well, not to save us, 
He already saved us. Let's take a look. Exodus 28. Exodus chapter 28. A lot of Bible tonight. But if you don't look at a lot of Bible, you end up doing bizarre things in the name of Christianity. Exodus 28. And verse number 12. This is all that stuff that people race over when they read the Bible because it's, it's, well, it's kind of tedious. Exodus 28. And take thou unto the Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me the priest's office. See, that's where they get the idea of dressing up the priest. Trouble is, none of those guys are Aaron's descendants. Second trouble is, as we saw this morning, that priesthood's out of business. The order now is Melchizedek. And you can't be in the line of the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ because he didn't father any children. All his children are spiritual. Spiritual birth. Anyway, so they make the garments. And verse number six, they shall make uh, the ephod of uh, gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, of fine twine linen with cunning work, two shoulder pieces, joint the edges thereof. Verse eight, the curious girdle of the ephod, uh, gold and blue and so forth. Onyx stones, verse nine. Now look at verse 10. Or nine, and and thou shalt take two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the children of Israel. Six of the names on one stone, and the other six names the rest on the other stone according to their birth. Those are birth stones. Twelve of them for the children of Israel on the garment of the high priest, and so that's what he does. Verse twelve: Thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod. For stones of memorial unto the children of Israel, and Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Okay, so here's what to do. Aaron, he's the only one going there. The high priest, nobody else can enter the presence of God and abide there and live but Aaron the high priest. But before he goes in, they're going to make a garment over here. Names of six tribes. Over here, the names of six tribes. So when Aaron goes in, he who is permitted, he who is allowed access to God, is going to carry with him everyone who couldn't go in on their own. But they can go in on the shoulders of the high priest. Now you know what Jesus did? He not only entered into the Holy of Holies in that tabernacle in heaven to serve and minister as high priest, but if you're saved, he carried you in there on his shoulders. And he appears in the presence of God for you and 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 for you. And so when Aaron on earth went into that holy place, it was as if the whole congregation had gone in on his merits. His access took them in. He was their representative in the presence of God. And tonight, 
Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. But we have a representative in heaven who is there on our behalf, who is alive and looking out for our interests. Praise God. When the Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, uh, the, the people twist that around, make weird things out of it. And Jesus Christ, the only one up there, you're down here. But your names are engraved, and He represents you in the presence of, of the Father, so that though you are walking down here with death gradually taking you to the grave. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. Praise the Lord. Leviticus 16. Leviticus chapter number 16. You know, people, it's the strangest thing. People are going to do what they want to do. That I've learned in... All these years walking this earth. People are going to do what they want to do. And save people, all of them, are going to find something in the Bible to justify what they want to do. Now you know what? If, if you've decided you don't want to witness anymore, and you've decided you don't want to go on visitation anymore, and you used to preach on the street and now you don't, you used to come to prayer meeting and now you don't, the fact that you found a verse that said you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and so you really don't live here anymore anyway. Your life is up there and all. Why don't you just say, I needed a verse to back up my loss of interest. Because there wasn't one Hebrew on the Day of Atonement that said, I don't need to offer any sacrifice. Why, Aaron's in there for me. I don't need to obey the law. Aaron's in there for me. I don't need to keep the commandments. Aaron's in there for me. That didn't remove them of their responsibility to live the life that God had directed on this earth. And just because you've got a high priest that's gone in, in on your behalf into the presence of God so that the Lord could say that because I'm there on your behalf, you're seated with Christ. That doesn't absolve you of obeying everything the New Testament told you to do. Just say, I'm not interested anymore. Just say, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so backslid and carnally minded, I couldn't even think about doing the stuff I used to do for God. Don't take a verse out of, out of context and try to use it to justify what, you, what you're not doing. How's that for good preaching? That's good. That's good preaching. If I quit, I hope I just say, you know, I just got tired of it. I quit. I hope I won't say, well, you know, God foreordained before the foundation of the world that I was going to only work so many years. And then, and God, God knew ahead of time that I... <laughs> well, the fact that God knew ahead of time I was going to quit doesn't justify quitting. Anyway. Leviticus 16. Got to get a little preaching in every now and then. Leviticus 16, people think I've gone soft or something. Senile maybe, but not soft. All right, verse number 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. See, that's what Jesus didn't have to do. That's what we read this morning in Hebrews. 
Aaron had the first offer for himself. Jesus didn't say, well, let me get, let me get cleaned up, and then I'll do something for you. He didn't have to do that. All right, verse 12. He should take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar from before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he should put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he should take of the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. And bring his blood within the veil. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock. And sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall they do for the tabernacle congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So, here's the picture. All the people are dirty. All the people can't come in because they're dirty. So the Lord allows one representative man to come in. And that one representative man offers a sacrifice... And if the people acknowledge Aaron as their priest and acknowledge that sacrifice as their sacrifice, that one offering is accepted by God for the sins of the nation. See, that's what you just read. That's why the Lord didn't want Korah and anybody else or Uzziah and anybody else giving the people the idea there were multiple sacrifices that would be acceptable. Only one. So, what we read this morning? Aaron, he's not clean enough. So his sacrifice is not clean enough. But Jesus, one man, comes to God with one sacrifice And he offers that sacrifice for the sins of all the people. And everyone who acknowledges, that's my high priest, that's my sacrifice. Atonement is made for their sins, not by their offering or their sacrifice, but by the one offering offered by the one high priest. That's Jesus Christ. That's what he did for us. Now, here's the difference. Aaron had to leave. He couldn't stay in the presence of God because he himself was not sufficiently holy. But Jesus, once he entered that holy place, never, never did he have to depart. The Bible says, coming back to Hebrews, chapter number 7, Hebrews 7 this time. So he's there. He's there unchangeably. He's there without interruption. What is he doing there? All right, here's where we left off this morning, verse 22. But so much was, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, and they truly were many priests. Because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Well, praise God for that. Now watch. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, 
seeing he ever liveth, to make intercession for them. That's what he's doing. He is ever continually, constantly maintaining our relationship with the Father. Galatians 2, what if I sin? My high priest is interceding. What if I build again? The high priest is interceding. What if I transgress? The high priest is interceding. That's what he does. That's what he lives to do. Now, some of you have to go to work. Can't all be pastors. And some of you have to do housework. And some of you have to do this and have to do that. But there is something that if you could do it, that's what you would do. And maybe you only get an hour a week. Maybe you only get one day a month. Maybe you only get a week off a year. But when you get to do what you really want to do, you say, man, that's what I live for. Some people live for fishing. Some people live for shopping. Some people live for a nap. Some people... (laughs) Tonight, if you ask Jesus, what do you live for? He would say, I live to intercede for you. And I don't have anything else to do. All my work, it is finished. He doesn't have to get up and go to work. All all he's had to do for 2,000 years is what he wants to do. And he lives, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Isn't that amazing? Now, now, look Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I know if we confess our sins, and I know we need to come and, 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 and pour our hearts to God. And all, I, I understand all that. But look what the Bible says. In Romans 8, verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, right now, come on, right now tonight, I'm going to say this about you, and don't get offended, I'm going to say it about me. Right now, if I had to confess my sins to God, I could not do it. Because I'm not even aware of many of them. We are so comfortable in our own way of doing things. Other people know of faults and our sins in our lives that we don't know about. If you're a new Christian, i got news for you. Just you wait till you start digging in this Bible. You thought you need to be saved? You don't know the half of it. So, I I couldn't confess my sins, but there's one who knows exactly what sin is, and he's confessing that for me. And then, the will of God. Well, I just want to do God's will for my life. Well, who knows what that is? 
But that's a question. When I was a young Christian, and we'd sit around in the, in the room with, with whoever's leading the Bible study, and that was always a question. Well, how do you know God's will for your life? And whoever's leading the Bible study always makes something up because he don't know either. Nobody knows. I mean, tonight, we all, when you find something you're good at or something you're comfortable doing or the Lord starts blessing something, you say, well, I found God's will for my life. Maybe not. Maybe you found out what you could do without God and you just did it for God. I'm just telling you, I, you I mean, well, you're not very spiritual. Okay. I'll be the second to admit it. I'll, I'll agree with you. Because I don't know. He's like, well, you know, it was God's will. Really? Exactly how do you know that? People say, well, you know, that thing happened and the you know, storm came and it blew our house down. I guess it was just the will of God. No, the will of God was that Adam never ate that fruit. None of the sin is the will of God. None of this heartache's the will of God. Your loved one didn't die because it was God's will. God is not willing that any should perish. God hadn't had his will. Why are we praying thy will be done if everything that happens is the will of God? <laughs> well, I guess it was just God's will for that guy to lie about me and stab me in the back. No, it wasn't. He's full of sin. <laughs> well, I guess it was just God's will for me to get even. No, it's not, but you're going to try. <laughs> You know, you know, so, so look, Jesus Christ searches my heart and knowing what is right and best for me, he intercedes in the presence of the Father for me, which explains why so many of my prayers don't get answered. Because I didn't know what to ask for. And what I asked for, the, the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus Christ talked it over and said, just let, let's just ignore that. Because if we give him that, it's going to start a chain of events and we're just going to hear more of this whining from him. Oh Lord, why'd you let this happen? You asked for it! <laughs> so he intercedes for us. Okay, let me ask you another question. In the last... In the last week, maybe it was an email, maybe it was a text message, maybe it was a phone call, maybe it was a personal conversation. Have you gotten a prayer request you didn't pray about? Come on. Come on. Don't, don't put your hands up because everybody, if you don't put your hand up, I'm going to talk about that sin. Here comes prayer request. Uh, please pray for... Uh, urgent prayer request. Delete. <laughs> Come on. I just make it happen. Somebody walks up to me and says, Preacher, would you pray about so-and-so? I do it right then. So if they ask me later, did you pray about? I can say, yeah, and I only have to remember what it was because I did. Once, quickly. <laughs> but you know what? The one who, who really knows how to pray always prays for you. And the one who really knows what you need always intercedes. That's what he lives to do. It's incredible, isn't it? And so, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, just for sake of time. <laughs> Many man sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Defense attorney, always on call. Always. You say, well, I, I know Jake, I can call Jake. Yeah, but you might have to get through Catherine to get to Jake. <laughs> 
I don't have to get through Mary to get to Jesus. He, he's, he, he's, he's, always, he's always on call. Access, direct access to the Father. All right, then, what about future? Look at Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter number 6. Not one time have you gotten on your knees in prayer and gotten a recorded message. This is Jesus. I'm busy. Can't take your call right now. Leave a message. I'll get back when I can. Or if it was that rude Jesus, he'd say, Hello? How you doing? Bernard, I I got him on the phone the other day. He said, Hello, Pastor. And I just waited. Because for all I knew, he'd made a new message on the phone just to get me again. But it's really him. People do that, you know. Hello, you start talking. This is a recording. I'm in the flesh. Then they give the gospel out. Who wants to hear the gospel after they just got faked out? <laughs> you know you're a sinner. Yes, yeah, so are you. <laughs> Not Bernard, anyway. Just... Yeah. All right. Anyway, number six, verse twenty-two. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee." And give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. And I will bless them. See, not only does he make sacrifice. And not only does he ever live in the presence of God to intercede. But he also promises future blessing. When he comes out of that holy of holies to receive us unto himself. Now I'll tell you a little story and then we'll look at one more passage the first time I ever went ahead and conducted a wedding for two people that I had done everything in my power to talk out of getting married. You say, the first? It, it's happened more than once. But the first time I did it, this, this young man who's really zealous for the Lord, he's about to marry a girl that everybody but this boy knew was going to ruin his life. And she was she was a tornado on steroids, just bad business. Anyway, and 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 they quarrelled in the in the premarital counseling sessions. They quarrelled at the at the wedding rehearsal. That just poor guy. Anyway, so at the end of their vows, I was supposed to quote this passage, and I, I promise you, it was it was it was not intentional. I, it just happened. I said, I'm looking back and forth at them. I said, the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give me peace. (laughs) And I I didn't even know I would said it until everybody went. (gasps) It proved to be prophetic. (laughs) All right, Hebrews, cha- Hebrews chapter number 9. 
Hebrews chapter number 9. When Charles and Heather got married, I don't know if Frank remembers this. I, got, I don't know whoever wrote this thing out. But you're supposed to say, with this ring, I thee wed. And I said, with, with wing, <laughs> I we wed. <laughs> it just, it's like Elmer Fudd conducting the, the weddings. <laughs> just, I, the whole thing was just a string of W's, man. I couldn't get it out. You don't mind funerals. Nobody's videotaping those to look at every year on the anniversary. You know, but that wedding. Hey, here it comes. Here comes this part. Watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Hebrews nine, verse twenty-five. Nor yet as. And nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth in the holy place every year with the blood of other with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, as is pointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered. So that's the end of that false religion. To bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Now, Aaron, all the people are gathered outside. And Aaron goes in to the Holy of Holies. And they watch. And they wait. And they watch. And they wait. And they watch. And they wait. And then, hurrah! The curtain is pulled back. And out he comes. How the people must have cheered to see the return of their high priest. And what a, what a day it's going to be. What a day it's going to be. When the curtain, the veil is pulled back. And we see our great high priest appearing. Caught up to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So... He's our priest in the past. He's our priest in the present. And He is our priest in the future. What a, what a priest we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Amen. Father, thank You. Thank You for all of that difficult and confusing material back in the law. And Lord, thank You for the book of Hebrews to open those mysteries to our heart. And let us go back and look at those things and see them for, for what they are. Types and foreshadowings of Your great High Priest and His great offering. And Father, we pray that having spent the day together thinking on the great high priest, that we would love him and serve him and worship him and look for him as never before. In his precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.